Hey guys, I know this is a completely unexpected episode, and it's not technically an episode. Let's just say that there is uh, something going on that is uh, not a very fun thing at Waverly Hills. Basically, it's a hostile takeover, and I know that might not seem to make sense, but long and short of it is, a buddy of mine, Ernie Pack, who worked at Waverly forever, has started a site called SaveWaverlyHills.com. I won't get into a bunch of details right here because I'm getting ready to play an uh, interview that I just had with Ernie Pack, and it was so important to get this information out that I went ahead and, and just released it right after we got through recording it. So if you would, please give this a listen. And uh, just know that Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast is 100% behind this, and we're going to help any way we possibly can to save Waverly Hills. Uh, you're going to be shocked by what you hear, trust me. This is uh, one of the craziest things that I've ever heard, and I can't believe it's even happening. But uh, like I said, and for those of you who do not listen or, or didn't even know that Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast exists, give us a listen sometime on some of our other stuff. But uh, more importantly, just know that we back Tina and Charlie Mattingly 100% in this situation. And we will do everything on our end to help out any way we possibly can. Hey guys, I have a super fun guest that I've been actually trying to get on for a while, but he is super busy. So it just makes it a little bit tougher. But there's a pressing issue uh, going on. So I thought it was important for timing wise to get him on as soon as possible. This is Ernie Pack. And uh, he's from Pac-Man Paranormal. Ernie, thanks for coming on, buddy. It's great to be here. I appreciate you giving me this chance, man. Glad we could finally make it happen. Yeah, it's it's you know how it is. You're busy, we're busy. And I mean, everybody in the paranormal uh field seems to know you. So I know I've talked to uh George Shoplin one night and he had just got there doing something with you. And it's just like, you know, George is all the way out in California, and here you are up in the in Kentucky, and there you go. He's <laughs> just, yeah. you know, it's that's what happens when you've been doing this as long as you have. So yeah. we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about some cool. I, you have a cool story about how you and your wife met, and uh, we're gonna talk about that. And we're gonna talk about uh, your time at Waverly and all that stuff. But I, I got to be honest with you, this isn't uh, gonna be the most fun reason for having a uh, a conversation. But there's been you know for people who don't know, you know Waverly Hills. I'm from Louisville. Uh, Waverly Hills has a very special place in my heart. Hell, I was sneaking into Waverly way before the matting leans owned it and turned it into what it is. I mean, at one time it was just an abandoned building. It's an abandoned building. People just went and partied and did whatever. And, uh, you know, so we, I've told those stories before on here and, and some of them I can't repeat, but you know, long story short, you know, the matting leaves bought it and then they started fixing it up and then they started doing the tours and the investigations and, and all that. Well, here, what year, year and a half ago, the story I was told was and I think this is the story most people were told was that uh, I think maybe Tina was starting to have some health issues and they turned the facility over to the uh, the Waverly Hills Historical Society and they would be taking over the day to day operations and that's that's as far as I knew and and you know that, that sounded like something logical so I could per, you know personally understand that but as we're finding out things aren't always that they seem. And it maybe seems to me more like a hostile takeover, uh, like something you'd see in a movie or something. And thus far, you know, you guys are a part of, uh, say, Waverly Hills. 
which is an ongoing situation, I guess, to try to get, and you're going to have to correct me on what I might be wrong on, but I, I'm assuming this is all to get the control back over to the matting weights uh, because exactly. that's where the problem lies. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, let me just expand on that a little bit. Tina, they didn't just willingly turn the building over. Uh, Tina was fired by the board of directors from her position as executive director. And Tina and Charlie received a letter from their attorneys saying they had to be off the property by such and such time at such and such date. And uh, Tina and Charlie had lived there. And so, you know, they were both in poor health at the time. Charlie thought, I'm not fighting them. I'm just going to get out and then we'll deal with it when we're feeling better. And before they could get to that point, a lawsuit was filed, basically trying to get them to sign the building away, sign over ownership of the building. And um, so we formed SaveWaverlyHills.com and the Save Waverly Hills Facebook page and group to raise funds to help Charlie and Tina fight this legally. Uh, we were trying to raise funds for their legal fees. And we've always said that from day one, despite what you might see on a propaganda video that the WHHS has put out. Uh, they were forced off the property and we've never claimed that we were raising funds for anything but attorney fees. But uh, yeah, anyway, I wasn't aware that I wasn't aware that they resided on the property. Yeah, they did. They had an apartment. It was under if anyone has ever been to Waverly uh, prior to the last year or so, the gift shop, uh, which was in the laundry room where you would come in to sign in. Uh, underneath that was a large apartment the same size as the laundry room itself that Tina and Charlie lived in. Charlie had fixed that up and it was actually a really nice apartment and that's where they lived and they were told to get out of their home. So let me ask you this, Ernie, what gives, how does the uh, historical society have the ability to kind of force this takeover like that? I mean, how, what about that? gives them the ability to be able to legally do that. They, nothing, <laughs> but uh, they, uh, they leased the building from Tina and Charlie for the purpose of raising funds to restore the building. Uh, so all the tours, the haunted house, everything that goes on at Waverly, all the funds that are raised through all of that goes to the historical society. Tina and Charlie never got that money, despite what people think. That money went to the historical society and was used for the reparations and renovations that Charlie was doing to keep the building standing and, and make it keep it safe for people to go in and experience it. Um, they leased it. They have a 99 year lease. And they through all the hard work that Charlie has done over the last 20 years. And through Tina being the face of Waverly Hills that everyone recognizes from the TV shows or anyone that goes up there for a tour, they, they remember seeing Tina there because she was always there to greet everyone like a guest in her own home, which they were. All of that built up this huge war chest. They filed taxes in 2019. We haven't found their tax records for some reason. They haven't filed taxes the last couple of years, apparently. But their last tax statement says that they have over $4 million in assets. And that is all because of Tina and Charlie. Charlie and Tina don't have $4 million in assets. When you've got this huge war chest, like I said, you can go out and hire the best attorneys in the world 
the biggest law firm in the world, and that's exactly what they've done. And you know as well as I do, in a legal battle, whoever's got the most money often wins. And so they thought it was going to be a cakewalk. They thought if they threw this lawsuit in front of Charlie and Tina that, uh, you know, threatens them with all these counts of nonsense where they're going to have have the choice of paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in restitution to them for the damages that they are claiming that Charlie and Tina being in poor health and getting older, they would just fold and walk away and let it happen. And Charlie and Tina have an army behind them. They're not going anywhere. And we're going to do everything we can to keep them in this fight until it's over. Because the only way they can lose this court battle is if they can't afford to fight it. Because the truth is on our side. Um, you know, you, you ask the question yourself, how can they legally do this? Well, they can't. They thought that they could bully Tina and Charlie into signing this over. And they can't do that. <laughs> so, so are they, are they trying to say, we'll win. Are they trying to say that because they leased the building, that that apartment was part of the building, therefore they had the right to evict. Is that kind of what they're standing on? Yeah. They're saying that Tina and Charlie were only allowed to stay there because Tina was the executive director. And that was part of her, I guess, you know, compensation package as being executive director. That's not anywhere in the agreement written like that, but that's their take on it now. So, you know, it's, I mean, knowing what I know, you know, from the inside and having worked for the historical society last year after Tina and Charlie were booted out and seeing how things, you know, were going under them. I can tell you for someone that knows everything that's going on and everything that went on before all of this, this is, BS, man. <laughs> I mean, well, let's uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. How long how long did you work at Waverly under uh, Tina and Charlie? I know it was years and years. Well, I the first time I went up there was shortly after they had bought it. There was a a friend of mine that said they were asking for volunteers to help with cleanup, and uh, so I went up there one afternoon and was cleaning up and. Uh, went back a week or so later and a fellow named Ron Parkhurst let me in the gate and, uh, you know, we went in and we were cleaning up. Uh, I mean, the place, you know, if you grew up in the neighborhood and you used to sneak in like I do, you know how trashed it got. Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Like, you know, when I first went, the first time I went in, there was like someone had just pulled all the people out of a hospital and left everything else behind. It was still in pretty good condition. But it didn't take long at all for everyone to start graffitiing the walls, busting all the windows, tearing everything up, uh, busting walls, you name it. So we were in there cleaning up. And I have always been fascinated with the place since back in those days when we were sneaking in as teenagers. And so I was just kind of wandering the halls, looking around. And this guy comes around the corner, this little stocky, dark-headed guy with a goatee comes around the corner. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, uh, just looking around. He said, that's not what you're here for. If you're here to help, we can use your help. If you want to look around, you wait till we start doing tours. You can come in and take a tour. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. And I left. 
And I'm like, I don't know who that dude was, but he just basically told me get the hell out. So I later found out that was Charlie Mattingly. And that's how Charlie was. Charlie would work from sunup until sundown and he would bust his tail and he expected you if you were working alongside of him to be working just as hard as he was. And uh, so over time, I started taking the bogus tours that they used to give up there when they first started. Uh, there was a group that was running tours up there in those early days that were telling all kinds of nonsensical stories, like 63,000 people died here. Yeah, that uh, still gets, that number gets thrown around, around a lot. And I, I yeah. watched something yesterday that said the same thing, 63,000. No, no, it's probably more like maybe 15 to 20, maybe, maybe. We've been able to document somewhere around 11,000. But uh, they, they also talked about things like a draining room where bodies were taken, hung upside down, gutted like a deer and drained. No, that didn't happen either. That's nonsense. But, you know, I would take those tours. I'd come up there for investigations from time to time. And then there was one day I went up there and I asked Tina if there was anything I could do to help out as a volunteer. And she said, well, we don't really need anybody for the tours right now. We just got two weekends left of tour season, but uh, come back and see me. We're getting ready to start the haunted house. We could always use actors in the haunted house. So I came back and started out as an actor in the haunted house. And I was really good. I made people pee in their pants and I'm quite proud of that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I stayed on, I wouldn't go away after the hunt was over and I just kept coming around. Eventually I made my way into being a tour guide and a host for the private overnights there and worked as a host for the private overnights, worked security off and on from that point, which was about 2009, up until early 2020. And uh, Tina and I had a bit of a falling out at that time over something totally unrelated to any, any of this stuff. And I walked away in early 2020. And then early last year, I got a call from some board members asking me if I'd be interested in coming back and helping out with the tours and investigations again. I had been involved in the paranormal outside of Waverly. I mean, since golly, I guess 2000 or well, 1998, I think it was when I started a website called True Paranormal. That's no longer out there, but I mean, it was it was around for a while back in the early days. It was an old WordPress document right. type <laughs> page, you know, the old, the easiest ones to, you know, put together with templates. And, uh, and I had, you know, investigated a lot. So I had a lot of connections in the paranormal community, not just through my time at Waverly, but through my other investigations and time in the field. And uh, so they thought I'd be, you know, useful to them. So they wanted me to come back. So I did. When I came, I brought Oh, about 13 people with me, including my wife. Um, and we ran the tours and investigations up there last year, up until the end of July, when we had started asking a bunch of questions about different things. We started questioning their management style, questioning, you know, how are you actually thinking you can keep Charlie and Tina off their property? Because, I mean, they would say crazy things like, uh, 
Charlie had some things stored in some storage containers up there. And the executive, the guy who's now the executive director, Roger Dale Clark, told me, oh, we're going to start charging him rent on those storage buildings. And I'm sitting here thinking, he owns them. How is he going? How are you going to charge him? You know, I mean, there was just a lot of things that was like, wait a minute, this is just, it's not, it's shady. It's wrong. Well, when we start asking these questions, it basically turns into a hostile work environment. He starts coming in, cussing at us and giving us all kinds of grief about everything, everything we were doing up there, you know, and we were all paranormal investigators. Uh, several of us had been guy or several from the group had been guides at another really well-known haunted location, old South Pittsburgh hospital. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we knew what we were doing. This guy didn't. And it was plainly obvious. Um, and he was telling us how to do our job and, you know, everything combined, we finally just said, forget it. And we walked away. We walked away from a place that we loved that, you know, I have a deep personal connection to, uh, and I reached out to Charlie a short time after that and asked him for his side of the story because they, you know, I mean, when I first went there early last year, you know, I was still a little bit, you know, my feelings were still a little bit raw from when I had quit before. And so it was easy for them to convince me that Tina and Charlie were the bad guys in all of this. And I did, you know, I mean, I believed it. And I actually, you know, preached their nonsense to others they would ask uh, because, I didn't know the truth. I didn't know their side of the story. So I reached out to Charlie, heard his side of the story. And I said, we can't let this stand, brother. I am with you 100%. And that's when we started the Save Waverly Hills movement. Uh, a short time later, we went out to the Las Vegas Paracon, uh, got a booth out there and represented Save Waverly Hills, got to talk to most all of the biggest names in the paranormal community and explain what was going on. A lot of them said they had contractual or quant, you know, the word <laughs> I had a many, <laughs> many people trying to say it, but they had contracts that forbid them from saying too much in a legal battle. And I understood that completely. Uh, they wanted to absorb it. They wanted to try to get the facts for themselves before they made any kind of statement. But uh, we were able to get, you know, several of them that, you know, said they were behind Tina and Charlie 100% and they'll be speaking out when they can. And uh, so, I mean, here we are. I mean, uh, about six months into it, we've got a Facebook group now that's got over 5,000 members uh, and we're winning this war against the largest law firm in the world uh, on just a grassroots effort that's basically founded by the paranormal community itself. And we're going to, uh, we're going to move on to some other lighter topics, but before we get off of here, we're going to, uh, revisit this topic and tell everybody how they can help. And, uh, because it, it's, it's definitely something that, um, I mean, I, I'm in this battle as for as much as uh, we can definitely help. Uh, because like I said, I love, uh, I love Waverly and I myself have had a little, uh, I guess squirmish with uh, Tina. So uh, I haven't always uh, had uh, the best relationship with her, but this is flat out BS and uh, I'll, I'll be, I'm right back on her side as soon as I heard this was going on. And 
So we're, we're glad to, to help out any way that we can. Exactly. I mean, you know, we all have our personal squabbles and, you know, Tina's a redhead and, you know, that was her home and she had, you know, her way of doing things and, you know, she wanted things done her way and she, she had her rules. And if you didn't follow her rules, she would let you know in no uncertain terms that you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty straightforward. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> exactly. But what we're asking people to do is go to the website, savewaverlyhills.com, research this. Um, we have got everything, every statement that's made on our page, our Facebook page, Save Waverly Hills, or the Facebook group, Save Waverly Hills, everything that's on there, we can back up, I promise you, with court documents or official documents, the real paperwork that tells you that what you see on our page is the truth. They give you a lot of words from the other side, but we've got the truth. But if you go, go there, we've got merchandise there that you'll only find there. That is some really cool Save Waverly Hills merchandise. Uh, some designs that you won't find anywhere else. Um, and all the funds that we're raising through all of this go to help. Uh, Tina and Charlie with their legal expenses. We're doing events. We've got the Roz Opera House coming up uh, Friday the 13th of May. Um, we're going to have an investigation there ran by the Wicked Wolf Pack, which is basically the guides from Waverly last year. If you went to Waverly last year and had a good experience and liked the guides, well, we're all going to be at the Roz Opera House on uh, Friday the 13th of May. And all the proceeds that's from that. That's Cynthiana, right? Yeah, Cynthiana. Okay. Have you ever been there? No, everybody, everybody lists that as like one of their top five most active places, and we've never made it there yet. Yeah, that's exact. I haven't, I haven't had an investigation there. We went up there to scout it to see how it would fit for doing an event, and we had activity when we weren't investigating. You know, we're standing there talking to the owner, and Denise got her hair pulled and her hat flipped back I mean, you know it's like whoa okay yeah and i'm seeing shadow figures moving across up there at the balcony area so yeah that, i can't wait to get in there and investigate and that's going to be a good time uh we yeah, promise we're try to make it up there that night yeah i'd love to have you love to have you yeah we're in lexington so we're just a hop skip and a jump away oh heck yeah yeah you're what 30 30 minutes away yep. 45 yeah but uh just anything you can do. We've got a GoFundMe account uh, that's linked in the uh, website. We've got the merchandise. We've got events. Uh, we have raffles periodically and some really cool stuff. I mean, Tina found like uh, some of the uh, crew passes, the all access passes from Ghost Hunters when they filmed the all night Halloween episode. So, you know, we're raffling off some of the, that type memorabilia, things like that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it all goes to a good cause and Tina and Charlie need all the help they can get and they deserve all the help they can get. I mean, that was their They're good people. The place would be rubble would have been rubble a long time ago, you know, from growing up in the neighborhood, it was going down fast. Yep. And if Charlie hadn't bought it in 2001, it would not be there today. And you know, as well that Waverly Hills was just a big empty building on top of the hill over here that nobody knew anything about really. Now it's this world famous iconic location that's at the top of everybody's bucket list to go investigate. And that's all because of Tina and Charlie, not because of the Waverly Hills Historical Society, but because of Tina and Charlie. 
Yeah, they're the ones on all the TV shows. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you have a a really, I'm, I'm sure you have several fond experiences at Waverly, but you actually met your wife through a spirit at Waverly. Tell us that story. Well, uh, if you know the story of Room 502, uh, the famous story of Room 502, it's a story that was passed down from a guy whose uncle and dad supposedly were part of actually cutting the nurse down, cutting the body down when there was a nurse found hanging outside of room 502 many years ago. And uh, there might be some elements to that that are true. I don't know, but the story never made a lot of sense to me. Uh, the story that he had told was that this nurse had been having an affair with a married doctor. She had gotten pregnant. Some versions of the story say that she had actually contracted TB and she didn't think she could handle a pregnancy and fight TB at the same time. So she had an abortion, flushed the fetus down the toilet in room 502, and then hung herself outside of room 502. And that story never made sense to me for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, the fifth floor at that time, back in the 30s, it housed the sickest of sick children. And then the patients who had uh, tubercular meningitis, which was TB of the brain. So the sickest of the sick adults in a lot of cases as well were on the fifth floor. And they were kept up there because that had the most access to fresh air and sunlight, which were the two main treatments they had back then. And it didn't make sense to me that a young woman who had sacrificed so much to take a job up there for not a whole lot of money and still be a woman in the workforce back in the 30s, which, I mean, you know, is a different time. I mean, women were treated yep. like garbage in most situations in the workplace back then. So a woman that would take that job, it just didn't make sense to me that she would go out there in front of those really sick kids and the most precious patients they had in the building in plain view and hang herself. I mean, that, that just never made sense to me. So I started investigating it myself and spending as much time as I could up there trying to communicate with her. And I got really good communication from her over the course of many, many, many nights up there. She had told me an entirely different story about what had happened that night. And she had given me a name that uh, doesn't match the name that you know they associate with room 502. It's a different name. Sarah is the name that, that I heard with my own ears. Me and three other guys who were the only people in the building that night heard this little tiny female voice say Sarah when I asked her to tell me her name. So anyway, let's fast forward to June 20th of 2019. I was hosting a private overnight and a lady came in with uh, three of her daughters and several of her friends and I was giving them the walkthrough before their investigation. And we got up to the fifth floor and I told the story that has been passed down for years. And then I said, but that never made sense to me. And I've got a different story if you'd like to hear it. And they, of course, said, yeah, sure. So I told them Sarah's story as she had told me. And I started talking and I, I noticed this one particular lady back in the over in the corner by the elevator, just kind of grinning and nodding her head. 
as every with everything I said. And that wasn't the response I usually got. You know, I mean, usually people were just like, you know, inquisitive and, you know, wanting to know more. But she was like, yep, yep, he's right. You know, I mean, I could see that in her eyes. So when I finished the walkthrough, I kind of pulled her aside. I said, I noticed when I was telling Sarah's story that you seem to know a little bit about it, too. She said, well, I've been coming here since 2009, uh, once, sometimes two or three times a year. And I've gotten the same information. I got the name Sarah. I got that it was a rape and a murder and not a suicide. And, you know, everything that I had said in, in my version of the story. And so we started talking. We started trying to dig. She was living in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I was living here, you know, right here by the gate. And uh, we would spend a lot of time together trying to find out who Sarah really was and what had really happened, trying to find some documentation somewhere, which we still haven't found what we want to, you know, be able to say, bam, we've got it. But uh, make a long story short, we eventually wound up getting married on January 15th of last year. And it's all Sarah's fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh so the building holds a special place. Denise and I both have tattoos that say 502. There were, I bet, 500 pictures of us holding up our forearms like that during tours and investigations last year, because uh, everybody would want to hear that story and 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 all of Sarah's story, and we would tell it. And it's, I mean, the building is a part of us. But like I say, we walked away when we found out what was going on up there completely understand i know a couple of others that did as well so yes man it's it's been a blast having you on ernie uh, before we get off again tell everybody what the website is to help and tell us uh, again how people can go to the event up at the uh, ross opera house all right then uh the website is www.savewaverlyhills.com we've also got a tiktok page save waverly hills I believe we've got an Instagram. I'm not the social media expert on all this stuff. I, I do the Facebook group, Save Waverly Hills, and the Facebook page, Save Waverly Hills. And we give updates on there constantly. Uh, I know you've been following. You've seen that we got – there's news. There's a lot happening. This has been a pivotal week, like I said in a post earlier this week. And things are really uh, looking good for our side of the case. I can't disclose a whole lot about it. but Sure. Uh, Follow us, SaveWaverlyHills.com, Save Waverly Hills on Facebook, and uh, you can get your tickets to the Roz Opera House event uh, through Eventbrite. You can go search Eventbrite for Roz Opera House, or we've got a link on the website as well and on the Facebook page uh, and on Pac-Man Paranormal and the Wicked Wolfpack. Uh, so you can go to any of those locations on Facebook and, and find a link. And if you can't find one, just reach out to me, Ernie Pack on Facebook. I'm pretty busy, but I'm pretty responsive. Also, I'd be more than happy to give you any information that you need that I can, anything that I possibly can disclose, I will. Uh, but uh, we just, we need everyone who cares about Waverly Hills to realize that if you truly care about Waverly Hills, you need to follow what's going on with Tina and Charlie and realize that it's not right. And we've got to stop it. And we've got to get them back in charge up there. 
Well, we're definitely going to post all those links uh, to the uh, the event and and say Waverly Hills and all that. We'll post all that on our pages, so uh, everybody have a chance to see that as well. So let me ask you this, and we'll kind of close on this. Okay. I know this is speculation, and it might even be petty to even bring up, but when all this is said and done, let's say Charlie and Tina do win. Yes. What kind of relationship is that going to leave between them and the historical society? I mean, is that, I mean, it's obviously not going to be nice and the historical society still has a lease on the property. I mean, it's, uh, I'd be interested in see how that works out. Well, if uh, the phase one is winning this lawsuit, which I think we're about at that point where there's a breaking point that's about to be reached uh, to where the lawsuit will be won in our favor. Uh, it hasn't hit the court yet, but uh, it might never hit the court based on some upcoming developments. Right. But uh, then Charlie has to make a move himself and file paperwork to have them evicted and removed from the property. And once that happens, then he can put his own people in place. He can run it as a for-profit business if he chooses to. Or uh, we've actually already started the paperwork to create another nonprofit. And he could turn the building over to that other nonprofit. So, you know, we've got options. It's just going to be another court battle. And we're going to need to continue this fundraising so that we can afford to do that Uh take those measures in court. Now, even though the historical society was getting all the money for tours and all that, and uh, the society was leasing the building for that long term, Charlie and Tina still actually owned the building though. Is that correct? Yes, they own it free and clear. There are no other investors or anything. It is owned by CEM properties, which is Charles E. Mattingly properties. He's the sole owner, sole owner, there are rumors out there that he's got a bunch of investors involved and in all this. No, he doesn't. It's all him. He bought it himself back in 2001, uh, basically for pennies on the dollar. Uh, it's a matter of public record. He basically got it for the back taxes owed plus just a little kicker on top of that. And uh, he spent a good chunk of his retirement and uh, everything to save that building from I mean, the fact, the fact that you can own a building, a business, however you want to look at it, free and clear, and have a historical society that's leasing the building literally come in and take over your operations is absolutely crazy. It's just, yes. it's hard to believe that that could even, I can't believe that even entered somebody's mind that they could do that, let alone actually follow through with it. Right. Well, they've got an accountant on their board that, uh, has done this type of thing with other nonprofits in the past and has, uh, or has attempted to do this same type thing with other nonprofits in the past. And uh, she's been fired from one nonprofit that I know of. I hear that she might've been re removed from another board with a church. Uh, she's, I mean, I don't know. Uh, she's, <laughs> she, she's really good at working numbers. And running books, I don't know how many sets of them she runs per business, but she's really good at that type thing. And uh, she's got the people up there that are on the board now convinced that they can do this. And 
of course, they've got the money for the attorneys to try to do it. All right. Now I have another question. Yes. Because because this is the part that I guess I, I don't understand. OK, so. All of the, the money that was coming in from tours, investigations, stuff, they were they were going to the historical society anyway. They've yes. amassed a four million dollar bank account, as you already said. What is their purpose of wanting to take over the operations if they got that kind of money coming in and somebody else is basically doing it for them? Well, the building is eligible for up to $20 million in federal grant money. That's a number that we have heard from Charlie and Tina had heard that in the past, back when they were still in charge and they never wanted to take any of that money because Charlie just doesn't like the idea of taking taxpayer money for one. And for two, if you take federal grant money, then you're restricted to, to do things the way things it was originally historically and, yeah. accurate in all of those things. And that's part of the lawsuit. They're claiming damages against Charlie because a lot of his restoration was not done historically accurate. Well, he didn't have to. It's right. his building. He can restore it how he wants. He didn't take any federal money. But they want that $20 million or whatever it is because then they can raise their salaries because, you know, a nonprofit is eligible to pay salaries to the board members, but it's based on the, the money on hand. Okay. So you stick another $20 million in the coffer. Well, then that, that multiplier goes up in what they can pay in salaries to one another. And the people on the board are all friends or family of one another. In fact, the executive director that's up there now that was just named, I believe, back in December as executive director was named executive director by his wife. <laughs> yeah, that's now, his background. Yeah, that's nepotism. I don't care how you look at it. Um, but uh, his background is not in running a nonprofit or anything like that. His background is not in building maintenance or anything that, you know, pertains to 187,000 square foot building in, no in need of restoration and preservation. His background is in being a parts guy at an auto dealership. That sounds fair. Yeah. He's well qualified for this, <laughs> this six figure salary he's getting for a part-time job. And yeah, it's a six figure salary that his wife gave him. So what about this $4 million they've uh, amassed in this bank account? I mean, shouldn't that money be, shouldn't that have been spent on things? I mean, what's the point of raising that money if it's not going towards restoration or something at Waverly? We're still trying to figure out where, where they have $4 million in assets. They do have about 168, 170 acres of property that goes on around since you're from the area, it goes all the way around to Waverly Park. Okay. Uh, they're around Arnoldtown Road. It's mm -hmm. like 170 acres that's in their name that Charlie actually negotiated a deal, made the purchase, put it in their name with funds that were raised from the building. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's worth $4 million, but I, I also don't know how that relates to preservation of that historical building that right. is a half a mile away. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and 
I don't understand how all this money they've been spending on attorney fees and PR firms, how that relates to preservation of a historical building. But I'm not an expert on nonprofits. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer. So maybe it's all on the up and up. Doesn't sound like it is. It does sound like most of that asset is in that land, though, because I would think 170 some acres in Jefferson County is probably worth close to four million dollars. It but might be very well. Might I don't be. know. Uh, we've heard rumors that there's a lot of things going on. up. There's a lot of uh, strife within the board and a lot of uh, arguing and, uh, you know, things aren't going very well. The family atmosphere is kind of disturbed a little bit with, within the board members. Um, and we've also heard rumors that they had several projects that they had planned that they have now put on hold because they're running low on money. Well, we happen to know that they've spent over $100,000 just in the last few months on legal fees. So, you know. Again, that, that shows people who don't know how to run a business compared exactly. to when Tina was running stuff. So, Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a total mess. They bit off more than they could chew. They thought that they knew what they were doing because they had ran tours up there. They thought they knew everything they needed to know. Well, they, there's nobody on that board that has any knowledge of how to mechanically handle a building that size. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things like sprinkler systems and geothermal systems and, you know, structural issues that have to be addressed on the regular. That they don't have anybody up there that knows how to do it. So what they're doing, what they thought they could do is just call a construction firm or somebody like that anytime they have an issue. Yeah, those people can handle it. For extreme you're going to pay cost. 10 times as much <laughs> as, what, as what Charlie was getting the same thing done for. And they're, they're running themselves out of money. And, you know, that doesn't hurt my feelings a bit because that's what they're attempting to do to Charlie is run him out of money and hope that, you know, he just, he can't go on and fight anymore. You know what they say? Karma is a bitch. Exactly. Exactly. Once again, this is uh, Ernie Pack, Pac-Man Paranormal, SaveWaverlyHills.com. Even if you don't have a vested interest in Waverly Hills, if you just want to help somebody out that's, that's been done wrong, go to the GoFundMe page, buy a T-shirt from the site. Uh, even if you can give a dollar, two dollars, trust me with the amount of people that are here this all over the world. Uh, it'll tremendously help. And uh, like I said, Charlie and Tina are good people and they don't deserve what's happening to them. And for the longevity of Waverly Hills, just like Ernie just said, they're running out of money and they don't know how to fix stuff. And before you know it, it's going to be back to the shape it was in 20 years ago. And that's what we don't need. We need to keep Waverly. It's actually saving, saving Waverly Hills. So that's what it's about. Thanks, Ernie. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. All right, buddy.